Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Yes, life is worth living indeed, particularly when you're listening to 3CR, your only radio left naturally. It's time for us here again on a beautiful Melbourne day, damp but clear. Susanna Duffy here saying hi and joined, of course, by our resident historian, his and her historian, our story and my co-host from Coo Health, Glenn. Good morning, Glenn. Yeah, well, that was a big intro. But you do it well. It's a, it's a style in the pause, my dear. You've got that, and um, I'm appreciative for it. Oh, isn't it gorgeous? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a sicker fan from way back. Good morning, listeners. Good morning, Susanna. It's Friday morning and one week away from Radathon time. So don't forget, next Friday, listeners, please dig deep in your scroll rockets and keep 3CR as your Vox Populi. Now, to start the ball rolling... Sorry, dig deep into uh, your what? Your skyrocket. Skyrocket. I thought you said a Saxon word. It's, it's, it's all right. It's probably an amalgam of old Saxon words for no, the but, no, chains. Go on, I'm misheard. I'm misheard. Uh, no, as a segue, what's your favourite Australian film? Film? My dad used to call them films 40, 50 years ago when I was young. What's your favourite Australian film? One of the ones I was in. Which one? Um, I know there's a fair few, but just what's, alphabetically, what's the one? Smiley Gets a Gun. Okay. Who's your favourite Australian actor? No. Act- oh, look, I take it mm-hmm. all back. My favourite Australian film is probably the one I was one that I grew up with that I really loved was uh, with Chips Rafferty about the Overlanders. What was it called? The Overlanders. It might have been called The Overlanders, yeah, with Deborah Kerr, I think. Yeah, and you, who's your favourite actor, actress in Australian films? Gosh, you're... you're Nailing me to the wall here. Uh, Metaphorically. (laughs) Limits, please. Well, you know, um, there's new ones and there are old ones. Okay, who who comes to mind most readily? Well, I suppose Chips. Yes, an actress? Um, Helen Morse, maybe? She's not Australian. Who starred in Caddy? No, Helen Morse. Oh, God, no. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Okay, this is a segue because I was going to discuss today. Hugh Jackman, he's a great singer. Okay, uh, this is a bit of a left out, out of left field. Um, the world's first ever film studio was in Melbourne. Yes, it was. Yes. And they did, was it a God one? <laughs> it was a God one. Now, as you know, I'm an atheist, yeah. and the Starvation Army is not my favourite entity, but um, the world's first ever film studio was in Melbourne. So, Go on. Well, my dad used those words. My dad's been to God 43 years. I'm, I'm living in the 60s. And 70s. Just going kind to of reminisce about the first film studio in the world, the Limelight Studios, which the Salvation Army established way back on the 11th of June, 1892. 1892. So that's 125 years ago on Sunday, the world's first ever film studio was set up. And where is it now? It's in Burke Street. Still there? It, oh, look, it hasn't been functioning for a long time. And um, it's in Burke Street. I wonder where. I, I, I wouldn't well, mind going to have a look at it. Is it was it, at, it, it was at sixty nine Burke Street, which is where their headquarters is. So it's somewhere in that building. Yes, yeah, up the top on mm. the south side, because they're where the odd numbers are, aren't they? Look, the Salvation Army hadn't been in Australia long, but they were from very early on. They were formed eighteen sixty five. They, they were, had some money if they were. 
building oh, a film studio. Absolutely. Look, they were never short of a quid of salvation. No. Where did they get it from? Oh, wealthy benefactors, they call wealthy them. Wealthy benefactors. Um, they claim it on tax. So we end up paying for it. Absolutely. That's what capitalism's about. It's not about altruism. It's about, you know. Yes, well, I have a problem with the Salvation Army. But I'm not going to say what it is on air because it's ridiculous. Okay, well. And besides, you don't have two and a half hours. Anyway, they were formed back in London in 1865 by the, uh, the Reverend William Booth, became the General William Booth. They first appeared in Australia in 1818 Adelaide, and they'd spread to Melbourne by 1882, and uh, their tentacles spread far and wide across Australia. And uh, they set up a studio in Melbourne, and um, sorry, a headquarters in Melbourne in the 1880s, and um, there's a chap called Captain Joseph Perry, and he managed the Ballarat Prison Gate Home. And the what? <laughs> he was Captain Joseph Perry, the Salvation Army manager of the Ballarat Prison Gate Home. Ballarat Prison Gate Home. That's where the released prisoners went from the prison to the Salvation Army, like a, a home outside the gates. Just at the gates, the gate. So it's the gate home. It's, oh. this, is the, this is what they're like. But they set up their own photographic studio. And he set up his own photographic studio and dark room. He, he produced his own glass Latin slides to emphasise his sermons and lectures. And by 1891, he'd been brought to Melbourne by Major Frank Barrett to use Lantern Slides to advertise the visit of William Booth to Australia. And this was their birth in 11th of June, 1892, of a limelight department of the Salvation Army in Melbourne with Major Barrett and Captain Perry. And this is the first anywhere in the world, a film studio in Melbourne, 11th of June, 1892. As I said, it's 125 years ago this Sunday. The Limelight Department was the pioneering film studio for the Salvation Army. They made over 300 films between 1892 and 1909, including Soldiers of the Cross and Heroes of the Cross. Soldiers of the Cross. Was, <laughs> that, that was the first film made in Australia. Correct, my dear. Soldiers of the Bloody Cross. But the, you're killing the Bible religious. These are evangelists. Let's be honest. Does it go to the same melody as we are soldiers of the Queen, my boys? Quite possibly. Oh. But again, look at the militarists. The, the, the Salvation Army have been they're an army. They've got captains, majors, generals, you know. They're not like a, a layperson's church. They've got three structured hierarchy based on military lines. Right, fair enough, okay, but what's it got to do with Soldiers of the Cross? Well, it's one of their movies. Soldiers of the Cross and Heroes of the Cross were Heroes two of the of first the films ever made in the world. In and the world, and they've got to be about God. <laughs> they are, they are. But well, uh, look, my dear, who has more money than churches? True. Anyway, certainly hasn't. The Australian Federation Ceremony in 901, who made the film? The Salvation Army Limelight Studios produced the film of the Federation Ceremony. And this is, I said, this is 69... Federation Ceremony, they're showing a film about God. Yeah, well, they've they, one from God to Federation. But they've got the resources. No one else had the resources in Australia. Because don't forget, films were very early in those days. Like, the studio was set up in 1892. The world's first ever feature film was screened in France in 1895. And the first ever feature film screen in Australia was the Athenaeum in Collins Street in October 1896. I wonder, wonder what that film was. I'm French not sure. film, probably banned. Well, so the first French, first film in the Just world was, was in French. Paris 1895, and we were 12 months later. But the film studio predated it. They used, they used lanterns and slides yeah. and sermons. And it, as it, it's at the Salvation Army at 69 Burke Street, Melbourne, and it's still there in a room, which hasn't changed much for the last 100 years. 
And I mean, that building would be worth a fair whack, wouldn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. Now, by the late 1890s, Captain Perry, of his limelight equipment, had visited every core in Australasia, travelling over 45,000 K and showing religious illuminated shows to over 500 audiences. Commanded, Commander Herbert Booth was my Australasian Territorial Commander in 1897. He saw the possibilities of an expanded limelight department. They purchased more equipment, including three gramophones. Shaking the tin quick, we need more film equipment. <laughs> they purchased three gramophones Expensive and, a, stuff, you and know. a cinematography machine and visited the production of Australia's first ever permanent film production unit. The first film studio in the world, or in Australia, was, was in the world, was 69 Burke Street. The first Australian narrative film on social work, 1898, Social Salvation. Social Salvation, it's like bloody social Darwinism, isn't it? <laughs> I'm not arguing. The first narrative drama film presentation, which combined moving films, glass slides, oratory music, with Soldiers of a Cross, which premiered the Melbourne Town Hall in September I've 1900. Seen it. That's all right. No, well, not all of it, possibly, but I've seen it. It's missing. But I've seen it. But we can, well, they, they show it, and it's in oh, our It's missing. And it's in archives. F- in part Canberra, of it is. Yeah. Part of it is. Uh, first feature-length documentary it was film. It's a really bad film. I'm not saying they're good films, but they're, they're world first, my dear. The first feature-length documentary film, inauguration of Australian Commonwealth 1901. The first registered film production company, the Australasian Cinematography Company 901. The first Australian history documentary, Under Southern Skies, 902. A documentary? What, a documentary? The first, You're not going to tell me that was made by the bloody Salvation the Army. The first Australian history documentary, 902, Under Southern Skies. Who the, made it? The Limelight. Limelight. The Salvation yes, Army. Yes, correct. They made a documentary. The first Australian... An historical documentary. Correct. Called Under Southern Scar. And the first bush ranging drama before Ned Kelly was bush ranging in North Queensland by the Salvation Army. Yes. I'd be interested to know what they had in their documentary. I, I, I dread, about I, the history. I, I dread to know, please. I'm, I'm, I'm reading a. Ad, 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 ad White media. sailed ships, I suppose. On September 13th, 1900, the world's first dramatic film was a key attraction in pioneering multimedia production, Soldiers of a Cross, at the Melbourne Town Hall. Oh dear. It was produced by the Limelight Department of the Salvation Army. Film historian Chris Long writes, it would be difficult to find an Australian film icon more extravagant than Soldiers of a Cross. Described as Australia's first falling film or even the world's first four motion picture play, it dominates many chronicles of early Australian cinema. It depicts the lives of early Christians, oh, ran for over two and a half hours, and has 15 90 second films and 200 slides with music and oratory. It was more lecture than a true feature film. Yeah, well, that means that you get that, you see something like, you know, some sword waving about, and then you get this... Prostolicising. The, the, then you get uh, this black screen with the white text yeah. written on it around... And it's encased in a white frame. And it's usually awful copperplate script that's not easy to read and you sort of stare at it and then it's gone. The only words I recall from that film were, were give generously. Give generously. Yeah. <laughs> He's 15 seconds of, you know, Jesus waving himself around, give generously. Here's Mary, give generously. Anyway. They anyway, f- look, we're, I'm in the wrong business. Look, I should have taken up God. And being a church, oh, made myself started my own zillions. church, my own church. You made zillions. anyway, and then and then tithe ev- ev- everyone. The inauguration of Australian Commonwealth was the first Australian film to go beyond ninety seconds. 
It was longer than any other Australian film, and it was the first Australian film to use simultaneous multiple camera coverage. The 35-minute film was commissioned by the Government of New South Wales to record Commonwealth Celebration Day when Australia became a nation. The Salvation Army's Lombard Department filmed this. And other films, and they expanded. They moved beyond Burke Street to a new and studio. And they get nicely paid for that, too. Of course they do. They moved beyond the studio in Burke Street to a new studio in Caulfield. When Herbert Booth was succeeded as Australian commander by Thomas McKee, there was fervor support for a Biorama company, which is the name of their film organisation. But um, it changed in 909 because a chap called Commissioner James Hay became the territorial commander of Australasia. Territorial he, commander, for mm, God's sake. But, but they're militaristic, my dear. He closed down the Biorama department because films have a weakness and lightness incomparable with true salvationism. Ah, there we go. It was heresy. They put the foot down, my dear. There's, the films have a, a weakness that's incompatible with true salvation. Oh, weakness and lightness. Even though they're the world's first filmmakers, we had the world's first film studio, the changing of guard in the Salvation Army, the new territorial commander said, no, 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 this isn't real salvationism. We need to go back to, you know, <laughs> no, whatever, pre, pre-film times, you know. Cease this frivolity. That's right. It was inappropriate. They made over 300 films many firsts in film production technique and the Salvation Army were the, were the world leaders in promulgating the Christian gospel. They were the largest film producer at the time. And uh, look, Soldiers of the Cross and many others have nearly disappeared, only snippets remaining in the uh, archives. So there you go, my dear. The world's first film studio was set up here in Melbourne 125 years ago next Sunday. So that's, uh, that's a claim to fame of some shape, size and description. Talking of um, Salvation Army and strange sort of, I don't know, what would you call that kind of bloody police? Oh, it doesn't matter. But but strange um, religious types of cults. They're evangelists. Yeah, I was watching uh, that film the other evening. It's a um, beautiful remake of Whiskey Galore. Please tell. Which which is a fantastic film, which I really loved, made in... 47 or 48 or something, black and white. Mm-hmm. Pinewood Studios, you know the ones in England. Oh, yeah. And um, it's just really, I loved it. I loved the book by Compton McKenzie as well. So this is a new one. It's only last year, Whiskey Galore. You know, when the ship mm-hmm. goes down, it's during the war. The ship goes down which, off the which coast. Which war? Of, a few wars. World War II. Okay. The ship goes down slowly off the coast of this little island. And uh, this little whiskey-starved island, and guess what's on the ship, what cargo the ship's carrying? 50,000 crates of whiskey. <laughs> the nectar of God. So well, they're saying, thank you, God, for, for you know our prayers. They really meant it, their prayers were answered. <laughs> but they have to get out. So all the men are taken off the ship safely, and they're mm. all housed with blankets and around fires. They're all fine. Do. But they've got to get out. In the middle of the rage of night, they had to get to that ship to get off the 50,000 goats. So they got every little boat that's in the next over the 50 miles. And they're all about to launch off to get out and get the whiskey when the church bell starts to toll. Not the Salvation Army bells. And the old village, whatever, whatever you call the village priest or shaman, he stands up there. And he says, it's the Sabbath. And everyone goes, oh, no. Oh, please, don't they? So they all trudged up and listened to his sermon. They had to wait till the salmon, the Sabbath. <laughs> the Sabbath finished that night at 12 p.m. before they could get out and get the whiskey. Uh, I thought, how brilliant. I wonder what kind of churches they had in Scotland it, it in those days. It would have been Presbyterian. 
Because if you were a Catholic, you would have broken the Sabbath and gone and got the whiskey and then on confession and done the numerous Hail Marys and done the road right. over and over. Because to, to sin is good. Yeah, yeah. Guilt is, so guilt is good and sin is forgiven. Yeah, so yeah, there are plenty of Catholics at the time, but I, I don't <laughs> think they were on this little island. And I'm not sure where the island's supposed to be. I think it's the Outer Hebrides, but okay. it could be further up. Further up towards well, um, are the Orkneys past the Hebrides? No, up, up, up they're on the other side, sort of. They okay. further, you know, but up to Shetland, maybe up there, okay. because there's a reference um, to Norway in it. Oh yes, and of course those islands are closer to Norway than they are to London. Or Scotland sometimes. Where are the pharaohs? The pharaohs in there. I'm not. Oh, they're I'll be familiar with that Further up there, off, they're off Western Europe, as is England. <laughs> Correct. As of the Channel Islands, Manx. So oh, Manx, Jersey, what's the they're, three, they're, they're, they're different islands. They're French, I know that. I'm cognizant of that. And they're down, down. Is it three Channel Islands, Manx, Jersey, and a third one? You're thinking of the Isle of Man. No, no. There's, there's an island. Which is a Viking The Nazis occupied the Channel Islands during the war years. I mean, stuff like the Pharaohs and Orphanies are hundreds of miles north. Hundreds of miles north. Long away. I'm sort of different just, people. Different absolutely language. Absolutely. Different language, different cultures. But um, do you think Limelight Studios would have made whiskey galore? No. But I think it was absolutely true. I loved very much at the thing at the Sabbath. And, oh, anyway, if you see the film around its last year, it's quite good. Okay. With Eddie Izzard playing a really good part. Eddie Izzard. Good Lord, mm. it's a blast in the past. Eddie Izzard. He's, he's playing a, a sort of Terry Thomas part. Terry Thomas, he's another blast in the past too. I mean, look, the films in all their different genres have been wonderful creations. I mean, this thing for, for thousands of years of human existence, there's no moving pictures. There's none of those things. It's about human progress. That's, as a race, we're always progress. As a race, as a... What how would you, as species. people as a species we're always progressing we're always learning you know and I just think you know we just and we get further yes. quicker and quicker who's to say in maybe not our lifetime but in our kids lifetime holidays to the moon will become something which people might do oh, God, but these are lucky to have any air to breathe well but I'm saying in terms of progress we can just, we can hopefully have the technology to do these things you know they could just talk to someone on the moon that says I'm, I'm talking to you here. Yeah, I'm talking just, to you, listener. To oh, you, you can Skype someone in another hemisphere, another. So I do. Oh, I'm mixing my metaphors. Sorry, that's not very good. I mean, I get these sort of you know these flights of fancy, which sort of take me away on tangents. And I'm a, that's quite a right. It's just thinking of the future. Yes, my brother's been into all of that. He's got it all mapped out. What we're going to be doing? He's even got a flight. Book. He's even got a seat book for the moon. This silly bugger. Well, but anyway, that doesn't matter. Um, but don't think it, when they when yeah, they first I'm, made movies, and we're talking over a hundred years ago. I mean, they would never consider moon problem. I, mean, I think of the great writer that period, Tom Jules Verne, who was a real yes. initiator of great ideas. Years and um, it was considered lurid, bizarre. I say wrong of you. It's purely a fantasy. Well, how much we achieve? We humans keep achieving things. We keep moving forward. Hopefully, one day we can move forward with positive things like curing diseases, curing inequality, opening the boundaries of travel and, and thought processes. Instead, of, you know, making profits of big corporations. You know. My great-grandmother, whom mm-hmm. I knew quite well, uh, I did listen. Mm-hmm. I was really fortunate listener to know my great-grandmother. My mm-hmm. My father's mother's mother. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Yes. Um, but she lived quite a long time. and But she saw the first plane that came to Melbourne. She saw the first aeroplane. Yeah. A little thing, she's little thing that went putt, yeah. putt, putt. And she saw the Sputnik before she died. 
I'm just thinking about the first flight in Australia. But I mean, that's hmm. the things in one woman's oh, lifetime. Yes. That difference with that little canvas winged plane hmm. sounding like someone's toy lawnmower. Hmm. Uh, even my grandmother, she saw her brothers go after the Great Trade War and she saw humans on the moon and hmm. colour TV and two world wars, you know, and. Uh, uh, the things you can see and again and again as we as the years go by we become more and more advanced what we can achieve what we can do and stuff which is what's the um, the old adage you know, be a realist demand the impossible becomes truer and truer now your line's better than mine what's um, omnibus de dubitandum what omnibus de dubitandum doubt everything Marx once said omnibus de dubitandum Oh, David! Oh, sorry, my my headphones just crackled. Dave, yes, it is. Keep them. Yeah. Doubt everything, because I mean, when people say you can't do things, what do you mean you can't? You can do things. I mean, who would imagine the eighteen eighties moving pictures, mm. sound? These things we came ahead and look for all our criticisms and of the Salvation imagine, Army. Who would imagine we'd be sitting here in this radio studio? Yeah. Which I'll I'll tell you the truth, listener. It's got a band aid and some chewing gum holding up a spot right in front of me. But chewing gums cost money, as do band aids. Yeah. That time of the year, my dear. It's the old, you know, quick fix from Biggles. We're getting that time of the year when we need and money. And it's making my headphones crackle and making me. Nervy about speaking to you. Okay. Well, so, I mean, don't forget it's Radiothon next week. 3CR might not have the financial resources that the Limelight Studios had when I set up the world's Certainly first film not. studios. But we are here as we're the voice of the people. And next Friday, Susanna, it's it's, well, it's Radiothon time right now from the 5th of June to the 18th of June. But for our show, for Susanna Duffy's Lift After Breakfast, next Friday's our Radiothon oh. time. And we need people who support us to pledge some money. And I... A good friend of mine's jumped the gun. He's given money already. Mm-hmm. So a big cheer out to Albie and Wednesday. Oh, my dancing partner. Yes, well, he will be. He, he will wants be. to have a tango with you, have a life fantastic. Perhaps the, not. The frog and the, those, a range of dancers. But Albie's perhaps, already given money, my dear. Perhaps not the uh, tango, perhaps not the frog, um, and perhaps not the monkey. He didn't, mention, perhaps, he didn't mention the monkey to but me. Perhaps uh, the two step. But a simple Irish two step. But Albie would you know, love to do it. Heel toe, one, two, three. Heel toe, heel, one, and two, three. We could do that. We could have really slow music, Albie. Albie's already given money to 3CR to keep us going. So Albie oh, my feet are sets the ball now. rolling. So big thank you to Albie. My feet are dancing. Bye, yeah. Albie, Albie, I can tell you, Albie, got, you can hear the heels clicking and the toes tapping away. You've got it going, Albie. You've got a heart ablaze. And we're not just how we'll get our hearts ablaze, we need all listeners to support us. Because we need to raise, what do we need to raise? Susan? A lot. We need to raise, or three CR needs to raise $220,000 this year. And, you know, we're not built by, we're not sponsored by tobacco companies or, you know, cigarette companies, <laughs> tobacco companies or fossil fuel corporations or alcohol producers. We're sponsored by the community. We're alcohol the people's producers. radio. Yes, we're not sponsored by alcohol. We're not sponsored by Lime Lager. That. Pity, well, I'm happy really? to be. A, I'm happy to catch a comment. Well, I've put this out before when that disgusting John Laws, and yes, I will keep that adjective next to his name, that disgusting and despicable John Laws, was seen was shown to be basically a thief and a liar. Well, I thought it's not fair. I'll, I'll listen to catch for comments. Think of me. Think of me. 
I'll take cash for comments. There you go. Here's, here's the voice of three CRs. No, it's not. <laughs> it's <laughs> I was not the... No, it wasn't. Listen, I misconstrued what I was going to say, so it's don't disregard what I'm saying. Not the voice of three CR. No one gets. But Cesar is one of the many voices of three CR, and three mm-hmm. CR does give a range of voice of the community because the community is not a homogenous thing. We've got right. We've got issues of different cultural groupings. We've got indigenous voices, labour movement. We've got left wing voices. There's a whole range of people presenting on three CR, and we can only present because you. The listener supports us, so we're looking for two hundred twenty thousand dollars this year. Keep three CR going, and our turn, listeners, is next Friday. Okay. So Suzanne and Duffy's left after breakfast. Be cognizant. We need to get your pledges in next Friday, which is the well today, next Friday, the sixteenth of June for left after breakfast. Be, be cognizant. Cognizant. Very nice. Albie's already well. Albie's already given his money. He's this is a man. Oh, that's he. He's an aged pensioner who does a three CR support. Well, I'm an aged pensioner. There's nothing wrong with age. I'm not saying there's nothing. It it shows his dedication. Sunny. Um, young lady. I'm saying he's a he's a man on a fixed income. He's not a wage slave. He does a bit harder with finances, but he's always willing to put his hand in his skyrocket to support three CR. So big thank you to Albie. And that's the kind of you know people we've had in Australia for some time, haven't we? We've always had people like that, rock solid, staunch. and yeah, and staunch. That's the word. Yeah, set like concrete pylons, and they're not out for greed, no. and they're not out to get they can out of life regardless of anyone else. They don't yeah. use other people as ladders to climb up. Good, they're good people, and they work together with a good spirit. And it's and that's that old Australian spirit that. When I was a kid, I was told we had that spirit, you know, of mateship, yeah. of helping each other. Well, that's what I thought we had in Australia until the last what, 20 years. Well, now I've seen I... disgusting things. Well, but that mateship is still there, and people do support each other. And that's why organisations like 3CR survive. Cause we do bring people together. We have a range of disparate voices and needs, but again, we all come together, and when you bring people together, it's like a community established. And 3CR is your community radio. C for community. Half radio, but again, we need. I'm just being a, I'm being a pedant, sorry, but we, no, we you, need your good. support, listeners, because without without you, we're not here. You do that very well, Glenn. You you always. <laughs> I've done it for twenty plus years. Yes, but you've always done it very well. You've always been able to reach down and, and explain quite clearly the reasons for three CR and why mm. it is so important. It is, and of course, after a while, I think I must have said everything at least a thousand times, possibly but five thousand times, about, and then I. But you do it so much better. Think about some of the material we've covered on your program this year. Like, I mean, I know we we discussed the the what was last Friday's show, but the radioactive girls in America. The, the glowing girls, you know. Where else would you have that information? How these girls are poisoned by the employer, make them use, you know, radium. And um, these things are heard nowhere else, apart from 3CR. And only by supporting 3CR can we do those sort of stories. And um, only by, you know, 3CR gets information out, do you learn these things, you know. We're a segue from information. So please, listeners, don't forget, we need to raise $220,000 this year. And in particular, we need money for Susanna Duffy's lift after breakfast. So please ring and please next Friday, which is the 16th of June, to keep 3CR on air and especially our show on air too. Your and, show, my dear. I'm the, and I'm the let me whatever. fix up this thing with the, with the chewing gum and the Band-Aid. I didn't think. Absolutely. Well, I thought chewing gum was banned like it is in Singapore. It's only banned when you choose externally. You can use it inside, not outside. Yeah, well, we certainly need something better than this and this rattling away listener, I can tell you. Well, anyway. So it's, can... it's, it's looking more and more like my own home. Well, well no, um, 
The Miss, broken where's, bit where's showing. Vladimir? I can't see VI. But the broken bit showing. Anyway, speaking of money, I've got to go now because I'm a, a wage slave. I start working three quarters of an hour. So listen, I'm going to go off to work to raise some money to pledge the 3CR. You please do the same. Don't forget listening to Susanna Duffy's Left After Breakfast on 3CR 855 on your AM dial and it's Radiothon time. So until I return next Friday, I will say chocula. Chocula. Hello, this is Archie Roach and you're listening to Good Music on 855 AM on 3CR. I am not in love But I'm open to persuasion When you think of community, uh, think of 3CR. When you think of radio, think of 3CR. This is Joan Armour Trading asking you to support your community radio station, 3CR, the only alternative. Slightly sad upon his grave, these words inscribed. Here lies a Patrick's cab. There's vampire bats and sewer rats, there's pubic lice and crabs. But the lowest form of life on earth is a slimy Patrick's cab. So he walks up to the pearly gates where the heavenly builders ring. Says he, I've worked hard all me life, you'll surely let me in. I've always done Mr. Corrigan's will to have served him makes me proud. So please give me me halo now and me fluffy little cloud. St. Peter slowly shakes his head and looks him in the face. What makes you think that I've got room for scabs inside this place? You've robbed your neighbour of his job and his children of their food. You've stabbed your brothers in the back and betrayed your sisters too. 
my angels would lay down their harps. Do you think that I'm that mad? And to burn in hell forever, he dispatched that slimy Patrick Scab. There's vampire bats and sewer rats, there's pubic lice and crabs. Lowest form of life on earth is a slimy Patrick scab. There's vampire bats and sewer rats. There's pubic lice and crabs. But the lowest form of life on earth is a slimy Patrick scab. My word, a slimy Patrick scab, as Glenn was saying earlier. A blast from the past. Well, you can't beat a blast from the past sometimes. I, I was going to say, and good morning, Irene, but I thought, gosh, that sounds it's like... It's a blast from the past. ...like it's a follow-on, but I didn't mean that. I don't care. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say... Good I, morning. I, good morning. I saw... I have some good news. Yes? Yes, this is wonderful. I saw this in the paper or somewhere, or somewhere it's about... There's a locust swarm in our remote Western Australia, really bad, oh. really huge booming swarm, something to do with they've had record rains or something. And, of course, it's dangerous to drive and people have been asked not to drive because of these swarms of locusts. But guess what? There's a, a Thai migrant community in Western <laughs> Australia and when they discovered ah! the roses, they went driving yes. up and got them all splattered on their windscreen or, or, or whatever, but they know how to cook locusts. Yes. So they're out all night there getting it because you won't catch them or not, I think. But oh, can't you see them? All these Thai women with those miners' helmets things on. There'll with, be millions with, of them. With the, yeah. with the torch on there. Well, millions you know. of locusts, not Thai women. Yeah. But, uh. <laughs> So, but you have to, when you cook them, you just actually, you deep fry them. Yes. But um, with some lime yes. um, and some chicken salt. Chicken salt, is it? Is that a... a oh, a, a, no, that's not Thai thing. That doesn't sound like that's a, a That's thing. an American thing, isn't it? I must be. Anyway, but you take off the wings first. Oh, good. Listen, oh, take off the please. wings, then you deep fry them, and then you mm. wrap them up in a pandan leaf. Lovely. And, um, and I'm told they're just like French fries, sort of crunchy like a chip <sighs> but with no fat. Well, that that sounds good. It's a bit, look, bit like snails, though. You can try and dress no, them up, no, but really. No, they are. We know what they are. <laughs> but there have been studies. I've seen a lot of studies where uh, Western societies like us, listener, are encouraged to keep an open mind about the possibility of eating bugs. No. Nah. Bugs are actually quite good food. There's I good, care. I know, good protein in them. Uh, yeah, uh, they're better sure. for the environment overall, better for everything than, you know, um, and they're, you're doing the right thing. Eat a bug today. No, sorry, not going <laughs> to. Remember that Chinese um, <laughs> thing? It was some Chairman Mao that kind of think that he, they had them get to get rid of the sparrows one time. All the sparrows oh, were without it. Uh, this sparrow plague, and 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 they were um, eating all of their crops. So everyone went outside and clapped and waved those clicker clacker footy oh. things around. And the sparrows couldn't land, of course. So the oh. poor little buggers died up there and just oh no! But it got rid of the sparrows and they saved the grain crop. Oh. So I mean, we could. Oh, I'm torn about that though. But, yeah, but we could do that. I'm not saying we eat a sparrow though. Then again, that could be on the cards, but. <laughs> Go out there and catch a bug and eat it. Eat a no. bug a day, and no. you're saving the world no. one bug at a time. I'm sorry, 
I, uh, there are other ways I'd prefer to save the world. It's a good uh, news preferably story. Preferably with a revolution, but I know it's a good news story. Uh, <laughs> While you're waiting for the revolution, eat a bugger day. When I get hungry enough. But uh, I saw somebody on television the other day eating a spider. I mean, really, I would rather die. Uh, I draw the line at spiders. Uh, I draw the line there. But I, I know, I just, isn't it funny how there's just some things that you just can't eat? And things with long legs and, and wings and head, little heads things. and anything. I don't know. No, I couldn't. It's the same as it's the same as why how ridiculous it is. I can eat poor old cows, but I can't eat horses. Well, I can't eat a cow anymore. I, I haven't. I know. I know. I'm sort of no, no getting off it. No, particular reasons. Just that there are too many cows in the world. There are far too many cows in the world, mm. and I think I can't, you know, eat. Them yes. anymore because I'm just sort of making keeping it going. If that's all, that's and I miss my beef because I used to like a nice bit of beef. You know, every fortnight, lamb one week and beef the next. Well, and the now, poor, of course, I'm eating poor little bar lambs. Oh, the, well, talking about poor little bar lambs, the the uh, I don't know whether anybody's seen, but uh, any of the pictures of the poor little lambs in uh, well, not little lambs, but sheep. Uh, in Kuwait, uh, almost dead from the heat, for starters, before they even get put in the boot of the car to be killed, uh, not very nicely, at the other end of where it is. 45 degrees it was in Kuwait when this picture was taken. Uh, the sheep are sort of half alive, and they're being dragged by any part of them that they somebody can grab hold of, and, uh, and then put in a boot. Shut in there in forty-five degree heat. Uh, I just think it's appalling. And this is these are Australian sheep that are supposed to be. We're told they're all our animals are looked after when they're exported. Absolute rubbish. And it's all about money. Nobody cares as long as people are making money. Sociopaths who don't care what happens to animals. The sociopath. There's the the uh, correct term or the, it is <coughs> don't they all get sent off those live exports from one particular part of Victoria like from down near Portland yes I think so Malcolm yes. Kroger's port uh, Malcolm Kroger's town isn't it he bought, is up it, a, uh, town. He bought is a whole it, town there it's not Malcolm Kroger it's uh, Michael Kroger, Michael Kroger. <laughs> well, well same thing same same <laughs> Well, I don't know that they're in the same faction, actually. No, but they're making money out of what they, you know, they they know yeah, where to make money. Absolutely. He knew where to buy yes. a whole town and half a bloody region yes. and a port for very, very... Well, I could probably have, have afforded it myself. Well, the bank would have given me a loan, I can assure you. Yes. For a couple of hundred thousand, two hundred and fifty thousand or something. Oh, and you went all? up... Well, there was no, <laughs> no one left in it anymore because all, all the people had left yes. and all the shops had closed. And I suppose a few old pensioners still pottering around, well, easy enough to move them on. Yes, when that's you got true. A, when you're Michael Well, Kroger. we're easy enough to move on because we're feeble usually when we get... Not yeah. in the head, but in the body a little bit. But listen, uh, I was running a little bit late because I was watching the count in the British election. Ah. And it's very, very, very interesting. It really is. Is it? There's a big swing to Labor. Interesting to see how far that will go. Well, they're talking hung parliament at the moment, maybe at the best. Uh, The counts I was looking at, there were big swings to Labor, like 15% and... 
More? Well, it's not very good news for uh, uh, Theresa May, is it? No. Strangely mm-hmm. enough, not when that I, I left, particularly it was care. Six Labor and one Conservative, but I'm sure it'll. You know, that'll change, but uh, it's exciting at the moment. And um, yeah. all the, what should I say, all the stuff that was heaped on Jeremy Corbyn, yes. not only by Conservatives, but by his own party. By his own party. All those upright, Conservative yes. Labour uh, are going to have to eat their words, aren't they? Because I don't think anybody else could have done it. Nobody else would have voted for one of those uh, Labor people that are hard to distinguish from the Conservatives, a bit like in Australia. Um, (laughs) There are little little differences, but there's an awful lot that's the same. So uh, I think that, I mean, it's been an exciting night because I watched uh, Comey, the uh, FBI director, live on RT, uh, uh, doing his whatever it was called, congressional hearing. Fascinating what he was saying. He wasn't pulling any punches about uh, about uh, Trump and uh, the things he was saying to him and uh, his loyalty and wanting him to say certain things that, you know, they weren't going to go any further with the, with the Russian thing and uh, he, was going to, he wanted him to leave that Flynn bloke alone um, not go any further with him, which is has to be seen as interfering in an FBI investigation. Well, it is. Uh, and Trump, I mean, it's just, you know, it's interesting, isn't it, looking at his mentality, is that uh, he has no idea how to behave. I mean, you don't go getting the FBI to be on your side and start to drop investigations because you don't want them. Uh, and he has no clue about that. No. Uh, he has no clue about anything much, but uh, I don't know what his tweets were like. I haven't seen those uh, during the course of it, but uh, it was fascinating to watch it because it was history, really, where you've got an FBI, ex-FBI director who's been sacked, uh, really giving it up on the president, for whom he has clearly absolutely no time whatsoever. <laughs> Mm. Uh, so that was interesting and I got to sleep a little bit late because of that. So you've got the Labour elections, you've got you've got the British elections, you've got Comey pouring it on over right, um, right I went to say right, Trump's head. <coughs> and it was a third thing. What was it? I don't know. I think I, I, I was uh, when it comes to those English to the British elections. I'm interested to see I'm watching to see how, how many seats UKIP will pick up well, if they dropping. pick up any? Their votes dropping. Yes. Well, that's good to see, isn't yes. it? After I've, I've been absolutely so appalled at the world and this massive swing to the right. Yes. That you know that. Well, it's good to well, see. Well, and they think a lot of younger people have come out in Britain to vote this time, and they would have voted for Corbyn. They're Corbyn voters, aren't because they? they don't they don't read the tabloids like you know that have been saying how. How awful he is, and yeah, because you know. they're hip, they don't <laughs> read the tablet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, the UKIP vote apparently is, is dropping, so has dropped. So, uh, it's, it's very interesting. Um, what's going to happen over there? I wonder how uh, the Scottish National Party will go. Yes, I don't, I didn't notice because they don't, they had only counted no, a few seats, right, so it wasn't, it wasn't and getting... they're a small one anyway, but yes. I'd like to see the end of those bloody Lib Dems too. 
Well, yes, well, I don't think they were exactly no, uh, I, I, raking but, in the votes. Yeah, but I don't think they're any threat to anyone. But I can see that, oh, dear me, uh, what's her name again? May, isn't it, Theresa May? Theresa May. Gosh, I forgot already. Yes. <laughs> but, <laughs> she uh, hasn't exactly been uh, overwhelming, really, has she? No, well, she's uh, been under a bit of pile of shit there. She she called this election, she want to give you know, you need a strong and stable that's the word strong and yes. stable leader to get you into these negotiations to get out of the um European Union. European mm. Union. Talking as though Britain is some kind of major power in well, the yes, world. So it's it's gonna collapse. Or as if it's any sort of power <laughs> in the world. It's been a long time since Great yeah, Britain was any power in the world. They're not no. they're just tagging along like Australia with the United States invading no, countries at the moment. They're not much. They don't have any bloody, any major sort of significance, any higher than, um, well, Portugal. No. They're just... Well, Portugal's actually doing better things because Portugal uh, has done great things about drugs. Portugal has... Uh, hasn't legalised them, but it, what it's done is they're not they're, illegal anymore. Yeah, they've decriminalised. They've decriminalised, and, uh, and their um, uh, crime rate has dropped... Yeah, quite, quite significantly. So, mentioning Portugal, they're doing very well like that. Where you know, some there are some other countries that are so more advanced than we are, aren't there? I mean, here we're still fighting over whether you can even have an injecting room because, you know, I mean, it's just someone doesn't nonsense. like it. Because no, someone doesn't like it. Exactly. That's why. Uh, um, it's Sweden that's been closing jails because they haven't got anyone to put mm. in them. They don't have anyone. They're, they're empty. And we're building them. And we're building them. Yes, they're building um, a they big also, new one. They have uh, they have a different they have a different type of drug laws there too. Which yes, is, they sort of they have sort of two different sorts of laws. There's one for people that are seen to be and screened to be citizens. Yes, uh, just going about their own business and without criminal records or criminal bloody connections, and and the other ones who do. So, man. And I thought, well, if I live there, well, look, I'd be all right. They'd think, oh, she's all right. She can she's have that, she can have, she have, can, have that yeah. better stuff. Yeah. And that's so, hang on, maybe she might have some criminal connections, and I might, oh, and so yeah. might you, yeah. Irene, oh. and so might you, listener. When uh, you think of all that, I think of all those friends of mine hauled off for bloody trespass when they've been on picket lines. Oh, yes. They're all cr- even, oh, even my child has uh, been arrested well, there for you that go. sort of thing. Oh, and of course, what a terrible mother. <laughs> my, uh, my first arrest was... Um, Oh, my word, it was a while back where I was arrested basically for trespass at the American Embassy, at the consul, oh. I mean, down in St Kilderoe. Yes. And it I was, was singing, we shall overcome, yes. what a mad moron I we was. We all went down there and threw exit it one day. Yes. It was when the, when we were having um, anti-Vietnam War demos. Yeah. And, uh, yep. Yeah. We ended up down there throwing when it was when it was on the corner of St Kilda Road because it moved, didn't it? But then yep. it was when it was on that corner, corner. and it was easily accessible. Yes. <laughs> Just a and stuff. Yes, and uh, it was a good meeting place for guys to go there and meet old me and meet boys. Oh, really? Yes. And what did you do with them? Well, you know what? <laughs> Talk about politics. Yes, yes. the war it was a good place to meet boys, though, because oh, okay. they were thinking boys. You know, they weren't. They weren't well. They had brains. They, they 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 weren't layabouts. Oh, I'm so glad to hear. And that. as for well, that's what my mother used to worry about me. Layabouts. Too, I was layabouts, and I must say I haven't um, seen that word for a long time. No, but I did no. hear it on a talkback caller overnight. Not on this. Not on this radio. I'm sorry, listener. I confess. I listened to another radio overnight because I was oh. desperate. 
Yes. And I'm for English. And uh, I heard a caller talking about how Andrew Bolt had been beset upon oh, by yes. some layabout. Oh, well, I think there was more than one layabout, wasn't there? They were hanging about anyway. Well, so somebody used the word layabout, did they? Yeah, well, someone was there. Someone, oh. someone threw the glitter at him. Yes, yes, I think there were two. And then Maybe once three. he was attacked by this maddened Bolt, yes. the friend wearing a, a North Melbourne footy cap, <laughs> beanie, <laughs> beanie, I should say, nightcap, went over yes. and, um, and sort of hauled off uh, his friend who was the glitter thrower. But anyone who was assaulted was a poor glitter thrower. I like the idea of glitter throwing. Where can I buy it's glitter? lovely. With some shops. Oh, you'd be able to get it at... Um, on those fairy shops for little girls maybe or at the news Yeah, but agent. also at those shops where um, you can buy dress-up clothes and stuff, you know. There's one in... Um, uh, in the city, in... well, it doesn't matter, listener. You if, look if you know where I can buy glitter. Let me. Well, you. Who are you I shouldn't throw say. It? I shouldn't say this on air because then someone's going to ask me who you're going to throw it at. I thought yes, I'd like just me. carry it for emergencies. <laughs> Good idea. But you never know. Look, listener. Over some times in my life, there have been some emergencies that have come up like that, and I've only wished that I had a big, you know, packet of litter or some soft, bloody ripe tomatoes or even a rock. <gasps> Because yeah, I've come close, face to face, to a few people, like Malcolm Fraser. I walked straight oh. into Malcolm Fraser by error when the Commonwealth head of state was on here, oh, and I was, yeah. I was just in the park. How did you get through? All I was, the, uh... I wasn't. I was in the park before before they got oh. there and put the things up, mm. and I was just walking home, and I saw these people, and I was, they weren't going to get out of my way, and I wasn't bloody men. I, I, I was going to keep going straight yeah. on my path. And if they had to slow down, so be it. And of course, and I got there and I found myself face to face, looking straight at Malcolm Fraser. He was within spitting distance. And oh, I, and you didn't spit? No, I stood there quite oh, well. taken aback. I was quite, oh, oh. Oh, oh. <laughs> and then well, he was gone. And then he was gone. I you thought, know what? I'll never tell anyone that I will never tell my friends. So don't tell my friends. No, but that's, those things like that, and that's when you need a pocket full of, say, glitter. Or well, exactly. Cream. But do you know what annoys me now, though, or about Malcolm Fraser? Or if you Fraser? feel like it. Well, anything. Yeah, you, well, you probably would be good to have uh, some some of that super glue, spray it, squirt it on them first, and then sprinkle the glitter. Oh, that's a bit hard. Oh, well. Oh, that, that, that would be cool. <laughs> that would be um, being, that would be setting upon, wouldn't it? Besetting. Yeah, no, I am, but, well, sitting upon it would, yes, yeah, possibly. I, I believe. Well, that, it would be an assault. Well, the English is like you set upon someone that's assault, whereas it's an area or a building which is beset. Yes, like you a can castle. beset. Yeah. Well, well, the uh, there were besetting charges, a very old charge, very the beauty, isn't used, it? But it was used against the people who were doing the BDS at. Um, do you know where the chocolate shop place is in uh, where the Royal Women's used to be? That that shopping centre there. What is it called? Queen uh, Vic. Yeah, the, where the Queen Vic used to be. And yeah. there's there's shops there, and it's all now a sort of oh, yeah, open yeah. spaces in the middle, and and they uh, they went there to um, uh, protest against the uh, the chocolate place. Oh there. yes, remember that? Yes, I do remember. And that. a whole lot of them were arrested, and oh, they because were charged they'd be... with. 
besetting. Besetting the bloody chocolate shop. Do you know how we got around it? Because I was representing a couple of them for a little while. Uh, was um, that I was able to elicit from the police that they were the ones who decided where they were allowed to stand. So how could they be yep. beset, besetting when the police said, you've got to stand there? That's quite amazing, but what an old law And uh, the police ch- closed it down, uh, this place down. So listen, uh, also Tool of the Week, you know that bloke in Geelong, and I can't find his name now, uh, who um, beset <laughs> the journalist in Geelong, uh, who happened to be Muslim, I think, uh, and he, well, he just really verbally attacked her. Ah. And she'd been born. She said she'd been born here, but he was telling her to get out of the country and uh, go back he, where you come from. Yeah, go back to where. And yelling at her in public, like, uh, who does he think he is? Yeah, yes, yes, precisely. <laughs> who does he think he is? <laughs> you know, and uh, and it's just appalling. I mean, the poor the poor young woman was just going about her business. She was um, <laughs> she was reporting on something, and I can't remember what it was. And he just came out in the middle of the street, standing, shouting at her, and screaming at her and carrying on like a moron. Um, Yeah, it reminds me of um, a few years back we had this apartheid Australia group. They were called Sons of Eureka. They were Sons of something. Well, they're Sons of Odin now. They're the Nazis. (laughs) These other ones which she is straight out racist. Yes. And uh, they had a head headman as spokesperson or president, whatever he was called. Mm, yes. And uh, he ended up murdered by one of his own members and that's... Anyway... Oh, well, there you go. But, but I remember watching him on TV having a go at um, the fashion woman, Jennifer Key. Oh, Jenny the, Key. Yeah, yes. makes the beautiful... Yeah, she always well, had those jumpers. Those jumpers. jumpers oh, I'll call yes. one of her jumpers. He was going on <laughs> to her and he's saying, you know, why don't, why don't you go back to where you come from? And she said, well, why don't you, you know, why don't, why don't you go back to where you come from? Yeah. You, you weren't born here. Yeah. And he said, I'm white. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Said, uh, it comes. Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> and uh, she'd been here, said, they'd been here since the 1850s. They came here with yeah. The gold. Yeah. yeah. They were Australians. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but this fellow had an African name and they were South African and they'd moved here to Australia and suddenly became president of this white is God. Uh, yes. Or well, God is well, white. I suppose it's God is white. Like well, those, like that Greek group who uh, have been so disgusted, Golden Dawn, they've been so disgusted oh, yes, by these yes. archaeological discoveries but, uh, that black people lived in Greece. Can well, you imagine the horror any good thinking, you know, Con, Nick or Ari had when, you know, sputtering in his glass of ouzo to be told that a few thousand years back some Greeks were black? Well, uh, Jesus, didn't he come from the Middle East? I don't know. It, well, oh, apparently. Oh, mythical well, Jesus. Well, according to, yeah, oh, well, he's a Jesus. He, he, oh, sorry, uh, I shouldn't have said that's a religion. I mean, he's... Um, he came from the Middle East. Syria, he would have yeah. been dark brown. Yes, nice and flashy and, black uh, hair and lice-ridden. And the thing is a few, that... A couple of thousand years ago. Yeah, we've probably all come from uh, somewhere like Morocco. Started. It looks like it started in Morocco now because they've just found well, new skeletons. Uh, that's the oldest, oldest by far of any that they've found yet. Uh, of us. This is, well, they haven't... They've got... I think Australia might... 
have some older ones, but yeah, they but haven't of checked homo that sapiens yet. In it. But Sorry, cer- homo sapiens. In it. But certainly, or yes, homo. Yes, well, homo. And but they they have found this uh, this very ancient yeah. skeleton in not Morocco. as old as the tongs, baby though. Hey, not as old as the tongs, baby, or as Lucy. But I know the Moroccan one. You mean yes? Yes, I always look at that. I'm fascinated by the ones that the finds in China, which is a totally different. Um, Type of man, well, hominid. I say hominid, not man. Yes, don't say man. I mean, really, a different type of uh, hominid. Yes, again, and but, looks like John Howard. Well, well, but the whole thing's fascinating because they're saying now that things uh, things are probably far more complicated than they've ever thought. That you didn't have like this this. Uh, yeah. You start off with there, and you all start walking over that way, and yeah. then it goes up, 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 up. It's different, and it's different in different parts of the world. So it's uh, it's complicated, and it's interesting. So the people who are who reckon they 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 are white and that they're the best ones, and might I say, I did say on Facebook the other day that why is it that all these white sort of um, superior whites, whites who think they're superior, they always. Uh, they look nothing like the master race. I mean, they usually look they usually oh, yes. fat and ugly. They're horribly pathetic little <laughs> and, people, aren't they? Corpulent, and, yes. Yes. And, or as uh, the uh, bagman would say, calorie-challenged. Cal- or challenge, calorie-challenged. So why is it? They, whenever you see them, they're all carrying on about white. And, and if you get on my Facebook, you'll see the um, certain uh, right-wing groups uh, telling us how having a go at the left and telling us how wonderful they are, uh, that they're, uh, honest to God, you wouldn't look at them twice uh, in a fit, even if they were the last ones on the earth. But, hopefully you would, you would, but anyway, <laughs> anyway, look at the time. Um, yeah, so, so tool I mean, of the week is the bloke in Geelong who abused this woman. Yeah. I can't remember his name and I can't find it in the paper, sorry. We shouldn't even keep saying his name because people... No, we don't no. want to give him any more publicity no. like it's his life record. just moron. <laughs> yeah. And don't forget, eat a bugger day, listener. Eat oh. a bugger day. I'm passing on that. Uh, dare to struggle. Dare to win. If you don't fight, you lose. And it's good morning from Left After Breakfast. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, from Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Every voyage was a long one, months upon the stormy sea. Some to seek their fortune, others escaping slavery. What they found on the gold fields was ruled by brutish thugs, discrimination and taxation mixed with swinging billy clubs. The gold was getting scarcer and cops were getting worse. The diggers burned their licenses and vowed to end this curse. They swore an oath beneath the Southern Cross. They'd stand together and break the license laws. From twenty different nations they gathered here as one In Ballarat beneath the southern sun The crown tried to divide them, giving preference to some The diggers wouldn't have it, they said it's all of us or none They built a stockade while the redcoats massed nearby And they heard the miners shouting We're ready now to die The rebel miners waited 
for whatever lay in store. And on one December morning in 1854, the Redcoats attacked the camp. Dozens there would fall. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Keep Lefty, program of the Victorian Labour College. In the studio is Irene Bolger. Good morning, listeners. I've put on my uh, posh voice now because well, I'm on this 